welcome back, my dear podcast friends. We have a brand new f- a format going on tonight. Uh, as you can hear, there's a campfire crackling. There are some uh, crickets and frogs in the pond nearby. And if we listen carefully later on, we might even hear a uh, couple of lions roaring. All the bushveld sounds that I grew up with and that are so dear to me. Today we continue with Coyote's adventure where he was running away from the hyenas and the only shelter that he could find between himself and the tree line at the river was a huge burn pile. Uh, You know, to make a burn pile they take the softer branches and so on, throw them in a huge heap and then the three trunks and big limbs that they cut off uh, they throw on top of that and as the stuff in the middle fades away or rather rots it it creates a hollow area inside this this big pile of wood which is almost like a cave and the tree branches outside are just too thick for the hyenas to get in. And Koyati ran up to this structure and stepped on some of the bigger branches and launched himself into the air. And uh, he fell through a, uh, an opening in the roof of this thing right onto the floor. Now, Koyati only used this shelter out of the direst necessity because it was not a place where a child wanted or anybody else for that matter wanted to be i will let him tell you about it we children never went near it the burn pile because there was a mamba that lived there when the mamba stood upright he could look elder tabari in the eye and he did once He was so scared that Uncle Tabari didn't even make a story about it, not even for us. That time we just came to the school, that's what the older children told us, and he stood there in the doorway, leaning on his spear. I have to pause here because that lion sounds awfully close, and he's coming in this direction. And I can say he with confidence, that that's a male. Just listen. Isn't it amazing how even the crickets shut up when the when the big man is talking? Anyway, I was telling you how uh, Uncle Tabari came to the school in Koyati's village. Uh, he just stood there in the doorway, leaning on his spear, terribly shaky. And he said, children, you know the pile of dead wood where the farmers cleared the bush? Stay away from it. There is a mamba. It stood up in front of me and looked me in the eye. He went inside the schoolroom, turned to the clay pot that held water cool for the children, poured himself a cupful and gulped it down, and then another. 
Then he worked at, walked out without a further word. Aid shook the children up pretty badly to, uh, to see Uncle Tabari with wobbly knees uh, and that he had to lean on his spear to get home. Did we go near the wood pile after that? No, no. We would rather jump into a burning fire. And the children named the snake King Mambo. And obviously it was uh, for Koyati. It could be nothing but King Mambo. And this is the wood pile in which uh, Koyati jumped to get away from the hyenas. So by that time there was already a huge history about this wood pile. Because uh, a while before this happened to him, the time when King Mambu st stood up and looked Uncle Tabari in, in the eye, he rounded up the men of the village to, to try and set the wood pile on fire. I mean, it was a burn pile. Uh, they just waited for the uh, brush fire season uh, to pass, but this time he told the men of the village, I don't care about the brush fire season. We, uh, we better get this thing burning. But there were still younger and wetter branches on the outside and on top, so throwing a burning stump of branch on top of the pile didn't work. The darn thing simply wouldn't burn. Somebody needed to wiggle inside with a petrol-soaked rag to get at the burn pile's dry heart. No one, not the bravest warrior, if that's what you could call our guys who still had spears, would go in deep enough to light the wood. You get strong, then you get tough, and then you get brave. And then you get a nine-foot mamba, and that is where brave ends and stupid begins. The onslaught uh, ended when, uh, the first phase of it anyway, when one of the men stuck his head into a gap in the debris and came face to face with King Mambo. The sound that the man made did not sound human. It was really a high, a little bit like the sound a baby warthog makes, makes when a cheetah is after him. That was enough to, uh, to send the members of our village defense force radiating out from the burn pile like the stars exploding out of that firework rocket that the German tourists shot off, off one New Year's Eve, uh, the year our village almost burned down from sparks that jumped off the roof of Elder Tabari's first wife's hut. So the warrior shot outwards from King Mambo's house in all directions at once, leaving behind a crumpled page from the Arusha Sun, a packet of government-issued condoms that we children later filled with water and tossed at one another, the petrol can, Elder Tabari's reading glasses, a pair of flip-flops, and several spears. It was a rout. Our fire starter spilled petrol on his leg and dropped a burning rag on it, causing some serious burns, all in full sprint. 
his flight ended when he began to roll in the dry grass and started a small but dangerous brush fire, which everybody had to fight until sunset to prevent it from reaching the village. The men worked even harder to put the fire out when Elder Tabari swore that he would tie them all to the burn pile if his first wife's hut burned down again. A first wife for Uncle Tabari is of course not an ex-wife, it's just the senior wife. By nightfall the area around the burn pile was a blackened wasteland. The only vegetation left was the burn pile which stood intact in the middle of the devastation. They had to give up for the night. But, uh, dear podcast listener, a determined African, oh, the plans he can come up with. In a situation like that, Americans will call in a helicopter with a flamethrower. But here on the Savannah, we don't have the money for that kind of thing. Here we make plans. Not only did the village men have to try and save face with the women who were teasing them mercilessly, but King Mambo had drawn blood, as it were, by getting fire starters' legs. A leg burned so badly. So now it was personal. And the score, of course, was right now at uh, King Mambo 1, Village 0. Early the next morning, the men stabbed a plastic container full of holes, filled it with petrol and slung it up on top of the wood pile from a respectful distance. Then they threw a burning torch after it. But the burn pile was huge, and in real life, petrol does not explode with a 100-meter-high fireball like you see in the movies. No one could throw the burning torch exactly where the petrol was spilling out. Not from the perimeter dictated by the snake, at least. The best village defense force could hope for was that the petrol would stink in Mambo's beady little eyes. After a day or two, a day of much... After day two, which was a day of much talking and scheming and arguing, which did in fact come to fisticuffs, the woodpile and therefore the Mamba was still there. And as the sun set, everybody went home, with a score still at King Mambo 1, Village Defense for 0. And that's the way it stayed. The men did their best to forget the situation, the women did their best to remember it, and everybody stayed the hell away from Mambo Towers, the burn pile that wouldn't burn. And that is how the woodpile became a fact of life and the footpaths changed their course to give the burn pile a wide berth, like a small river will flow around a large rock that has rolled off the mountainside and into the stream. Now on the day the hyenas were chasing me, the woodpile was the only shelter between me and the river. My choice was really simple. Be eaten alive by three hyenas or be bitten by a mamba. I had a mindless fear of hyenas all my life. I can remember being slapped vigorously, vigorously as a three or four year old because I screamed hysterically for half an hour when somebody brought uh, a one hyena on a leash into the village once. So I had to choose in a hurry. So I chose death by mamba. At least the thing doesn't 
eat you while you're still alive. I was heading straight for the burn pile. With Marcy snapping at my heels, I reached the burn pile. And as I told you, I bound up on top of the pile and dived through an opening down into the thing like a giraffe scrum off scoring a try against Kenya. Smashed through some kindling, missing the two bigger branches at the top of the heap and crashed into the heart of the heap. I rolled, scratched and bleeding into the inner courtyard of Mamba Towers. I was pretty sure I was still alive, says Kuyati, because of the pain. The problem with that burn pile is that many of the branches come from acacia trees, and some acacia trees have really mean, nasty, unforgiving thorns. And Kuyati says, I took a quick look around me, saw some pieces of dry bones scattered all around. Then I closed my eyes and waited for the end. What was taking the snake so long? After a while, I opened my left eye and looked through a hole in the outer wall of King Mambo's fortress, right into the bloodshot eye of Marcy, the head hyena, the matriarch. Though well protected by the branches, I wasn't that far from the outside of the pile, tells Koyati. Marcy and the girls were now really mad because I made them run so much and started scratching at the kindling at the bottom of the wood pile. They were trying to dig a tunnel. Mamba venom isn't so bad. The mamba bites you, the poison knocks you out, and with a big brute like King Mamba, you're dead in ten minutes. Ten minutes was the official time the scientists give you for a, for a black mamba bite. Maybe it's precise, thought Kuyati, like the seven minutes it takes a wildebeest calf to start running after she is born. Maybe some professor took a condemned prisoner like me and a stopwatch and a nine-foot black mama and got the snake to bite the poor man and then made a note of the exact time he died. Well... We're not making a lot of progress, but that doesn't matter because we're having a heap of fun. And uh, I have to stop here. And I look so forward to welcoming you to my little campfire next week. I hope the lions keep their distance. Bye-bye. Stay well. Be blessed.